Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Well, welcome back to another episode of Brazen Education. I'm Educator Barnes, and today I have a special guest, Bryson Davis Johnson. Bryson, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, the reason I wanted Bryson on the show is because he's an administrator here in Indianapolis and has been doing some great work. But before I start chatting with him, I want to tell you all how I actually met him. So picture it. It's the pandemic, and I'm part of this um, Black Excellence in Education Awards, and we had to do it virtually. Well, with this education awards, there's normally like time and when we do it in person for people to mix and mingle, for them to talk. And so we thought to ourselves, like, how can we still do that, but do that virtually? So essentially, you showed up to this online mixer and you were matched. So if you think about like those speed dating things where you set the tail with somebody and they hit the bell and the next person. So I'm just sitting in a little room and then Bryson pops up on the screen. So we start talking, we exchange information, he pops off the screen, I get matched with some other education educator, he gets matched with another educator, but we connected after that and we have stayed connected ever since. Uh, and I will say out of all the people I got matched with that day, he is the person I still talk to the most. Uh, so it was like a 10 minute conversation, but it was meaningful. And just to see him in his career, because he was working at a different school when I met him. So yep. now he's um, an assistant principal. And I don't think we talk about the work of assistant principals enough. So, Bryson, can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to go to uh, um, school administration? Because, you know, there's you can stay in and be a teacher. Why? Why administration? Uh, I think for me, um, the greatest human act is to inspire. And, and I noticed early on that I had the, uh, the ability to inspire. Uh, so when we talk about students, right, like we're lifelong learner learners, we want our students to be lifelong learners. Uh, I wanted to inspire the students at a higher level. Um, and I always look to challenge myself as well. So I was teaching, I was coaching, I was doing those things, but I was just ready for another challenge. Uh, and that's something I kind of want to model for my students, the way teachers model things for students in the classroom. Um, and I rose to that challenge. I left my teaching position. It was halfway through the school year. So it was a super scary time. I left the major township, uh, which was Perry Township, which is the district that I'm back in now. Uh, left halfway through the school year and got an amazing opportunity to work in uh, the Heron Riverside um, ICS school district the charter school district uh, as their first ever dean of students to get my experience, right? Because what do people always tell you? Oh, you got the credentials, but you don't have the experience. Well, I was lucky enough to go get my experience while, while I got my uh, educational leadership master's. And that's something that's really interesting because people want to step into leadership and then people say, oh, you're a great educator, but you don't got any leadership experience. Um, so and then a lot of times people have to leave their school district um, to get that experience and go back. So um, my sons, go, uh, they went to Cricker Creek Elementary, which is in Washington Township. And for people who are not um, in Indianapolis, um, who are 
our global listeners are in other states. In Indianapolis, there are 11 school districts. So Indianapolis Public Schools is just one of 11. And so Washington Township is not a suburb school, it's in Indianapolis, and so is Perry uh, Township. So with that being said, there's a um, principal of their elementary school was a teacher in the school, assistant principal in the school, and then the principal. Mm -hmm. That's not the typical ladder that people do because a lot of times it's hard to supervise people that have formerly been your colleagues. So people have to sometimes leave or go out and come back. So when you were doing your educational leadership programming, what were some of the things that you had to work on um, as a person transitioning from teacher um, to teacher leader? Uh, I think just uh, it's a mindset. You have to think about things differently. Uh, a lot of times when you're in the classroom, you're just dealing with your students. And, you know, if you're having issues within your classroom, you're handling it at the classroom level. You're communicating with parents, but that's pretty much it. Right. Uh, and then when you transition into that admin role, not only do you have to worry about the students, but you also have to worry about the staff. Uh, a lot of times when you step into that admin role, uh, you're opened up to the traumas of everybody, the students, the staff, the students' families, the traumas of the community that you serve. Uh, and then there's that technical aspect of it, you know, teacher evaluation, um, supervision. I mean, in my role now, I'm doing evaluations. I'm doing 504 academic accommodation plans. I'm parring case conferences, all those things that you've just never done before. You have to take a lot of notes. You have to ask a lot of questions. Um, you have to do a lot of the grunt work, uh, which is, you know, a lot of times it's the discipline piece. So I did a lot of discipline in that first role. Um, and you just have to pick up things as you go. Uh, I feel like experience is the best teacher. We can go to whatever master's degree program or, or certification program that we want to go to. But until you're actually in that seat and you see all of the different things that you have to do, uh, you just really won't know. So when you, your first role, you were a dean and, a, and a discipline dean or student dean, like what? Because so you were in the charter school network um, and yep. ICS is Indianapolis Classical Schools for those that don't know um, what yep. that um, network is. Um, what are some, how was dean defined? Because what I'm trying to get at is some schools, dean could mean a myriad of things. How was that defined and what were some of the things you learned to do while, with, while you were in that role? 100%. So it was mainly discipline, discipline and school culture. Uh, so discipline, you're handling those discipline referrals. Um, you know, there we did a lot of things by the handbook starting off. And then as I grew into the role in that second year, we started adding some restorative pieces to that, some restorative conversations. Um, you know, we amped up our reentry meetings with our families. We did a lot um, when we brought students in, setting them up for success. Uh, but it was a lot of those like suspensions, um, expulsions. And even with the expulsions, I would sit down with the assistant head of school. He would run the expulsion hearings at that level. And I would kind of just sit in on it. And that really prepared me uh, when I went to Washington Township after that. So it was a lot of discipline. And then on the culture aspect, uh, we did a lot of really virtual events because COVID hit kind of that second school year. We did a lot of virtual events. And if there was like something happening in the building, my job was to make sure I had a pulse on that. I had a pulse on how our students were feeling. Um, I had to make sure our students had a voice. So for example, when we had the insurrection, right? And in the nation's capital, like I had to set up different things for students to be able to speak and talk about it for us to all be on the same page and kind of build that community piece. 
Uh, and I think that's super, super important. It's something that I've kind of carried over from job to job since, because um, you can't just expect students to fall in line. You have to make them feel like they're connected to the school community. So, you know, 75% of it, 80% of it was discipline. And the rest of the time, it was a lot of that school culture stuff. So how does um, your role differ now um, being an assistant principal? Um, I'm assuming there's probably some academic pieces of that. So how have you grown in your current role and what does academics look like for assistant principal? Because I think many times people think all the assistant principal does is just discipline and they don't do anything else. And that's not necessarily true in all assistant principal roles. Right. So leaving um indianapolis classical schools i spent a year as the first ever dean of students in washington township at northview middle school um so that was another position that was a lot of discipline so when i was hired here um in perry i already had kind of the discipline down pat right i had a, a strong background in discipline they do some things differently here processes and procedures they have you know just as many resources if not more as like a washington township but when you're talking about the charter level there's not, you know, as many resources as far as keeping students connected to their education when they get, you know, in second, third, fourth infractions. Uh, but in my role now, I am not only doing discipline. Uh, I'm the assistant principal for all of seventh grade, so we'll loop every year. I have a caseload of students that have uh, 504 academic accommodation plans, so I have to monitor those students, make sure uh, teachers are implementing those plans with fidelity. I have to make sure those plans are updated. I have to, you know, make sure that that's communicated with central office, um, do a lot of the discipline, obviously. Um, I par case conferences. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, people out there that don't know what that is, um, you have to sit in on case conferences to kind of oversee the meeting uh, in conjunction with the teacher of record. Uh, sometimes uh, people from the district may come in and then, you know, general education teachers will sit in on those meetings as well. Um, and a lot of times that's just updating the students IEP to make sure that they're getting the necessary accommodations and the services that, that they need to be successful in school. Um, so I do a lot of that. If there's a manifest that needs to go to for one of my students, uh, I'll have to go to that manifest for somebody that doesn't know what a man. I can for somebody yeah. that doesn't know what a manifest is. Uh, you cannot suspend a special education student for uh 10 days without going to a manifest. Uh, and even our district has implemented something to where if a student's out five days, we go to a case conference, because hopefully with that case conference, we can update that IEP, put a behavior plan in place, something like that to try to prevent us from getting all the way to that manifest. But basically the manifest is we'll pr present all the information, we'll go over the student's IEP, and then we will determine whether or not that student's disability was directly tied to the behavior that they displayed in the school. Um, a lot of times they will say that their behavior is connected or their disability is connected to that behavior. And then we'll just have to put uh, new plans in place. But that's what you want to do. Uh, I'm not somebody that wants to kick kids out of school or, uh, you know, disconnect kids from their education. But at the same time, we do have a duty uh, to keep the, the school safe. Um, I do a lot with PBIS, so incentives, students of the month. We have different convocations for different things. The first 30 days of school, we do something called Connect 30, where we really push our teachers to get to know their students on a personal level, get to know what makes them tick, what they do outside of school. And after that 30 days, we have a big convocation 
So that's something I play a big role in. Teacher evaluation, I can evaluate up to 20 teachers per cycle. Those cycles last about, you know, nine weeks. Um, so I do a lot of teacher evaluation. And that's one of the biggest things I like about Perry. We have the uh, NIET TAP model is, is really rigorous and it really challenges me to become a better instructional leader. And a lot of times when you get placed in those dean roles or those AP roles, it's all discipline, whereas it's not like that here. Um, you are super supported. You are pushed to grow. Uh, I'm the only black secondary administrator in the district, but, uh, you know, I'm supported at the district level. I have access to the people at the district level. Um, obviously, site supervision. Uh, the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, we have to present professional development to teachers every Wednesday. I'm part of the instructional leadership team that meets to um, go over the professional development and then develop ourselves. We meet every Thursday to get better as instructional leaders. Um, if teachers are having different issues, I may have to meet with them. Uh, for example, there's a teacher who um, you know, is having trouble wrapping their mind around an end of unit performance task to see if students got to mastery throughout their unit uh, and for us to be able to analyze that data and go back and see what skills our kids masters and what skills that they missed. So the list goes on and on and on. So a lot of times people feel like the assistant principal does all the grunt work. They do mm -hmm. all these extra tasks. So what is it like kind of being you're like you're under the principal, but you're over the teachers. You're kind of that middle man um, person. How do you manage? Because I heard you say, I'm doing discipline. I'm doing manifest hearings. I'm doing 504s. I got to develop myself. I got to do instructional leadership. I have to coach the teachers. How, what tools or tips do you have for people who are aspiring to get to this spot um, to manage all of these things? Because you and I both know there are some administrators you're like, I don't know where that person is. I'll never see them. <laughs> yeah. I'll never hear from them. I send them an email. I may hear back two weeks later. So mm -hmm. how do you manage all these things to be effective in your role as an assistant principal? That's a really, really good question. Well, myself and my entire team, we are the exact opposite. We are very visible. We are very accessible. Uh, we are in the trenches with our teachers. And I hate to use the term trenches because we have an amazing culture here. We have an amazing group of kids and families and teachers. And I really do love it here. But one, you got to be visible. Uh, as far as an admin team, you have to have a, a united front, right? You have to support that principal. Everybody's got to be on the same page. Um, you can still be yourself, right? You don't have to be a robot. I'm myself every single day. I talk how I talk. I look how I look. But it's a united front with our admin team. And then when you go to the teacher level, you have to be supportive. You have to be responsive. You have to stay on top of those things. And you also have to be transparent as well because um, people can respect transparency. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things for people who are emerging or aspiring school leaders. You have to understand that at some point you're going to have to have those tougher or courageous conversations with teachers. But if you stay consistent, you earn their respect quick. If you're visible, you earn their respect quick and it makes your job so much easier. So can you talk to us a little bit about maybe something that you have shared transparently about yourself to make teachers feel like, oh, he gets it. He gets how I'm feeling here. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a story and it doesn't have to be like your current job because you're not trying to put nobody out here. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, for me. So when I was at Perry Meridian High School um, and I've only been I've only spent about four years total in the classroom. 
but I did a year and a half at Perry Meridian High School before I left to go take the dean role at Riverside High School. I had five different preps. Uh, I taught five different classes. Uh, I also was the head JV boys basketball coach. I also ran uh, our youth basketball organization for the township. So just being transparent and talking to the teachers and letting them know, hey, I know how hard uh, this evaluation tool can be. And even when I was in your seat, I had five preps and I was a day ahead of the kids. So I understand where you are. I understand the challenges of meeting the expectations of the rubric. And I'm going to do everything in my power to help you uh, score high on the rubric, promote student ownership and, and really, really uh, improve your instruction in the classroom. So that's something transparent so they can see, OK, he actually did go through what I'm going through and he went through the exact same teaching model and rubric and he had to, you know, do all of these other things on top of it. So that piece right there, just being transparent and letting them know it's, it's nothing new to me and, and I understand where you are, that gained their respect pretty quickly. And I think even what you just should hear about how many years you have taught, because sometimes you, people can't get the respect because it's like, oh, I was a teacher for one year yeah. and now I'm here yeah. leading you. And people are like, man, you haven't even been down here doing this long <laughs> enough to be able to tell uh, me anything. You also talked about the United Front and how you guys are um, developing yourself. Um, so what does that look like? How and maybe even how do you make the time to tighten up your skills or develop yourself mm -hmm. while you are creating professional development and developing other people. So the district builds that in for administrators here. So every Thursday, uh, our principal leads something called ILT, which is the instructional leadership team. And within that, that's professional development for us, where we read articles, we do case studies, we do book studies, we dive into the rubric to connect the rubric to what we're doing in professional development. Um, one thing we also do in this district that's really, really powerful is inter-rater reliability. So for example, you'll get teamed up with somebody in your building one time, and then you'll get teamed up with somebody in another building one time, and you'll go and you'll observe a lesson, you'll both score it, you'll collect your evidence, and then you'll come together, match up your, match up your scores. And then if those scores are off, then it's a, it's a, it indicates that we need to recalibrate how we're scoring, how we're thinking, and it gets everybody on the same page. And that's something that the district has implemented that they continue to build on. So for me, that development is already built in. That education is already built in because the district has carved out time for us to do that. Well, that sounds excellent. Um, I just finished my dissertation defended finished graduate school yep. but there was a class i took where they talked about inter-rater reliability and the fact that you have multiple people evaluating anything y'all all got to be on the same page about like because on these rubrics they'll say effective well what may be effective to me based on me reading the criteria mm -hmm. may not be the same as someone else reading the criteria so we have to like talk about like why did you pick this or why you picked that and as you know um these rubrics they have multiple sub points. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, how do I score? How many of these points do they have to get to be effective or ineffective or needs improved? <laughs> Got my rubric right here. <laughs> right. So that's the thing that's just so challenging. So I, I'm, that's pretty cool to hear that Perry Township has 
built that in. You mentioned you guys have read some books. So what are some books that you have read? Um, because I got a lot of people that like to read things and they're like, we need a book recommendation. So what are some books you have read recently or are reading now that you're like, hey, this book is helpful? Okay, so we're just now getting to that piece. Um, but the book we're reading now is actually right here, Teach for Authentic Engagement uh, by Lauren Porosoff. Um, so basically right now, our biggest thing with the changes that they've made to the NIET rubric is promoting and pushing student ownership, right? We don't want our teachers just standing up in front of our students, lecturing for the entire time. We want them building those students up so that after they deliver um, the instruction, once they model the instruction, once there's guided practice in the instruction, the students are going from there and they're using different problem solving strategies and categorizing and analyzing and using abstraction. And then, you know, if they're working on writing summaries in language arts, those same skills need to be translated to social studies and science when those teachers are asking those different things. Uh, so I can tell you about that book later on, uh, but that's a book that we're just now about to dive into. Uh, but the point is we're pushing student ownership, right? And we should see students uh, utilizing anchor charts. We should see students giving each other feedback in the classroom, right? A lot of times a teacher would want the students to just think pair share or turn and talk to your shoulder partner. Well, we want to go deeper with that. If you're turning and talking to your shoulder partner, what are the essential questions that they should be asking? Mm -hmm. Because if you have them just do that, the conversations could be different, you know, depending on the partners that you got next to each other. But if you have those essential questions, it's easier to go back and see where students are in their learning. And we really, really push that metacognition, them thinking about their thinking. Uh, and then we can analyze that data and go back and see where the holes are and plug those gaps. Well, I, I like all that because I, I heard a principal say one time, we're not going to say turn and talk. We're going to say turn and learn yeah. because we want to make the emphasis on that. This is not social talking. This is academic talking. So I really like that whole student ownership. Now, you talked about in the system principal world, you have to help with the culture, like setting the environment of the school. What are some things that you have implemented, whether it's your current role or your two previous roles being a dean that you feel has helped um, improve like school culture or school mm -hmm. environment or increase that sense of belonging of students? Because if there are system principals watching, uh, they may be thinking to themselves, I need to this is the issue in my school. Like, what can I do? So yeah. what things? Um, have you been involved in that you feel like helps? Uh, I would say flip the punitive consequences on their head, right? So think about a tardy or a dress code sweep, and we're going around in these hallways, and we're going to sweep all the kids that are out of dress code, and we're going to put them in this spreadsheet, and we're going to assign them all a mass lunch detention, right? That happens. Sometimes it is necessary if that's a problem that you're identifying in your building. But try to turn that on it, on its head and model the behavior that you want to see. So for example, uh, last year, right, tardies was a major, major, major mm. issue in our mm. building. Skipping class was a major, major, major issue. So what we did was we pulled the data to the student for the students that were doing the right thing. And in advisory class, we had those students identified and we would go around with like ice cream carts. And all of those students that were doing the right thing, getting to class on time, we rewarded those students in real time for doing the right thing. And that made the other students say, oh, I better get it together because there's a reason why I didn't get rewarded there. I'm not getting to class on time. I'm skipping class. 
I'm doing this and that. So just try to think proactively instead of reactively. And that'll help you a lot. It'll help you build relationships. It'll help you model the behaviors you want to see. Because once you just start throwing those punishments out there, you're going to get kind of stuck in that rut of punishment, punishment, punishment. You don't want to do that. I, I like that. That is really cool. Because um, even as a teacher, I had a principal that would have like these um, carts of things. And as a teacher, I'm like, ooh. Now, it wasn't like a punitive thing. Nobody didn't. No one was excluded. Yeah. <laughs> so that was down horrible for te for teachers. But the sense of like, oh, I'm getting this thing. And a lot of time when people pull discipline data, you are pulling the kids. How many classes are they in, especially in middle school or high school? We're trying to figure out, is it in the morning? Is it in the afternoon? What are we going to do? Okay, in school, this suspension didn't work. Silent lunch didn't work. You mm -hmm. keep, I've been in meetings where the meeting is all about what consequence will make them behave. Mm -hmm. Instead of the conversation being like, what about the kids that show up every single day, does the right thing, they're here on time, they're ready to learn, they're in their seat when the bell rings. What do those kids get? And yes, I am all for intrinsic motivation. However, sometimes we have to like help kids build mm -hmm. that intrinsic motivation. Um, yeah. So I, that, that's, that's really dope. So I, I really, really like that. So you've been in high school because you say you taught in high school. And yep. now you're assistant principal in middle school. Yeah, um, first which, teaching job was at elementary. Oh, oh so, okay. So you've been not so which which level is your is your jam? <laughs> you know what? I really do like middle school. I really do like middle school. As a teacher, high school was, you know, it's pretty easy. Um, you know, uh, you can really, really connect with those students because they're more adult-like, I guess. Uh, the middle school, it's a really cool age to where they're still young and kind of innocent, but then they're still kind of growing into their own. And I really do enjoy working with this this age group. Well, I'm glad you gave the right answer because the right answer <laughs> was middle school. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a middle school person. That's where I've been most of my career. I love, love, love middle school. But I feel like middle school and kindergarten gets the worst rap. Mm -hmm. Everybody's like, I can't do kindergarten. And mm -hmm. I've even, because the kindergarten, they do a lot of things. Um, and then mm -hmm. middle school, but I just, I feel like that's a transition point of where kids, where they're like figuring out their bodies are changing, these hormones are happening, and then they're figuring out who I want to be. And so I feel that that's the part. If a kid is off, like, I'm not saying that's the last chance, because yes, you can change a kid in high school. I'm not saying that. But I feel like that's the part where we can really, really get them and help them be successful in high school. Um, so, like you, I've been in every single, every single level. And my answer is always, always middle school. So yep. if someone's watching right now, they're a teacher in their classroom and they're saying, I want to elevate myself to the next level. What are some things that they can do before they even get into an admin program to start building their leadership skills while they're still a teacher? Uh, they can sacrifice prep periods. And, and I, I kind of want to throw this out here. I know some schools you're supposed to use your prep, prep period for certain things, uh, but you can leverage that time to shadow an administrator that you kind of want to learn under and see what they're doing on a day to day and start asking questions because they may need help, too. Right. And there may be things that they can kind of delegate to you, things that don't require them to be confidential and, you know, smaller tasks like pulling data and those types of things. And right then and there, you're getting experience. And that's something that you can put on a resume and then attach that to um, the education that you have to go get to become an administrator. And then that's how you get a head start. Um, it's different for everybody. 
uh, everybody's path is different. I feel like I got lucky getting the position I got at Riverside when I got it. Um, and I was able to just kind of learn and grow from there. Uh, but I would say with the climate of education changing, start shadowing somebody, start getting your education in order as far as that master's or that certification, because there will be opportunities. Um, people are leaving our profession and that's just a reality that we have to deal with but the way that i look at it is, is the more people that leave the more opportunities for me and the more opportunities for me to connect with kids and for me to move up the ladder uh, i chose education i'm going to stick with education and you know if you want to move up there's there's opportunity for you so how do you because you you made a point that we all have been talking about people are leaving the profession yes. so how are you in your role helping teachers stay um, stay in the profession and not not bolt for the door and, and change professions. I'm gonna be super transparent. The culture and the the climate and the community of this building was established long before I got here. So it's not one of those places where you've gotta, you know, reinvent the wheel or or start new. It has been established and it is amazing. But what it shows me is that it's possible. Um, I feel like all school districts, you know, are experiencing the same level of, you know, discipline infractions or students just not being on grade level. Like we're all experiencing that. Uh, but it's all about the people in your building. It's all about your leadership. And if everybody can be working together and if everybody shows up every day for kids, you can create a positive culture. It's not like that everywhere. And I feel bad, you know, that it is that way. Um, also, you know, kind of going back to the discipline piece, you have to hold kids accountable. Uh, we're, mm -hmm. we're living in a time where parents are going to push back and kids are going to push back. But you have to hold kids accountable. And that's something that, you know, Perry really stresses. We're not going to we're going to do everything we can to not, you know, disconnect the student from their education. But we will hold you accountable. And that is why I feel so supported here. And I think that's why uh, the culture and the climate is so good in this building and throughout this township. Um, so just be somebody who, um, talks about the good that's happening. Be somebody that's positive every day and try to spread that positivity because it is a possibility for every building. Um, you know, especially in our city, there's a possibility for every building to be positive and for everybody to be cohesive and to have an environment that teachers want to show up and, and, and work every day. Uh, I don't have any issues waking up from my job in the morning and that's a testament to the people that I work with. Well, that's good to hear. So it sounds like you're saying is the combination of people that were hired yep. in the building, yep. plus how the leadership is supporting the teachers in the building that's in your particular school building, making people want to come back and then holding kids accountable, which I'm going to say the different way for people like, what does that mean? That means if someone is creating an environment where the teacher cannot get learning mm -hmm. to happen, that student is worked with. And as you mentioned earlier, they're coached, they're shown what to do, because there are some schools where teachers are like, the kid threw a book at me and they're right back in my classroom five minutes later yeah. and not feeling safe, physically safe or emotionally safe. Um, because sometimes kids kids say stuff that hurts. Let's yeah. be real. We're all human beings and kids will say things that you're like, that you got me right there, kid. Um 100%. so keeping them safe. So in your role, I always ask people this question. What keeps you up at night? What are you worried about? What are the things? And it could be your role. It could be education. What keeps you up at night? Oh, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. Um, 
I think you kind of alluded to kind of juggling all of the things, being responsive um, and not falling behind. Uh, I think just making sure I'm always ahead of the game keeps me up at night because I'm never too far behind uh, or behind at all. I have a really good team. We communicate with one another. We delegate really, really well, which is something that I struggled with in the past. So I'm never really behind, but just, you know, making sure, okay, I've got to get this done by this time. Uh, I've got to make sure I follow up on this situation uh, because, you know, somebody told me a long time ago, kids will never understand how much time we spend thinking about them. So if I'm up at night, it's it's just about following up with the kid or following up with the teacher that needs my support um, because my basic duties, I pretty much, you know, have all of that streamlined. So it's those one-off things that happen every day uh, that keeps me up. So how do you create balance? Because I I know that you are a pretty fit person. So you're out <laughs> there working out. I yeah. know that you eat very well, but I also know keeping your physical body, like your like, and I'm talking about health wise, yeah. intact, um, mental health intact as well, is something that we have to choose to do. So how do you balance having, you know, Bryson as the administrator and then Bryson when he's outside of work? How do you balance the two? Because many times people say. I feel like I'm at school all the time. I feel like there's all these things I have to do. I don't have time. I don't have time to date. I don't have time for my kids. I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to eat healthy. Uh, So what do you do to keep yourself kind of well-rounded and hit all those buckets? Because I feel like, based on me knowing you a little bit, that you are doing those things. So I think some people might want to know, like, how's he doing that? 100%. This This may rub a lot of people the wrong way. Oh, and, and I do feel like I do a very good job at my job and I feel like I'll have an open mind and I'm learning. I do not take work home unless it's something that has to be done and that is assigned to me or something, you know, major that happens after hours that I've got to follow up with. I do not take work home. Uh, there have been jobs where, you know, I've just been tired and stressed and, you know, all of the things. Right because I was taking work home. The moment I stopped taking work home, the moment I had time to uh, write a book, the moment I had time to start my sportswear line, uh, the moment I had time to start building a a platform to help people in Indianapolis live more holistically healthy lifestyles, I keep myself fresh by having my work and life balanced. You got me for eight hours a day, sometimes a little more. I'm still in the office right now. Um, five days a week, you got me and I'm going to give you my all and I'm going to be here for kids and I'm going to be here for teachers and I'm going to be here for families and I'm going to do it with a smile on my face because I truly enjoy it. But when it's time for me to go home, I'm going home. And, and that's my secret. No, I, I feel that, which is probably why we connected because when I had my first school administration job, I said, like, if it's not an emergency, I'm not responding to your email. I'm yep. not responding to your text messages. I am a wife. I have twin boys who have mm-hmm. their own lives. I said, I don't have time. And what was interesting with my the teacher I was supervising, you know, they're like, okay. Like they didn't buy in. But then my teachers became the people that said, if it wasn't from this time to this time. So, and they, so when there was an emergency, they would respond because they're like, oh, Shantae has not contacted me this whole entire time. And, and even to the point of, if I'm in my office and I need them to know something at the end of the day, I would schedule send the email. So yeah. they knew for me, 
they would get their emails from me at 7 a.m. or 4 p.m. And they were always schedule send. And so I trained my teachers. And then some of them like, I've been using the schedule send email. Because I'm like, you can't, you can't help teachers not burn out when you as the leader hasn't shown how you do it. Exactly. And, and, and there's when you work in the school, there's always something. You you always. always there's always something. There's always somebody I need to call, uh, something I need to look at. Well, it's gonna be there tomorrow. Um, and if it's not an emergency, somebody's in danger, uh, because that does happen in school sometimes. Yeah, uh, if it's not that, you really can. I think we've gone into a culture where it's like this right now, right now. And I and I think for me, especially after I had my kids and you know, married, I wanted to get get that back. Because when I first started teaching, my, I had a flip phone, first of all. <laughs> my <laughs> cell phone was in my purse. My purse was in the closet. I didn't wear my cell phone with me. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't until I became a literacy coach and my principal was like, Shantae, I texted you. And I was like, what? He's like, you didn't answer. I'm like, because my phone is in my purse and my purse is in the closet. And transparently, I didn't even give the school my cell phone number. So I had a landline. I actually still do have a landline. And I know y'all still, some of y'all still judge me. <laughs> Every time I say on this podcast, I have a landline, I get, really? Still? Yeah, still. Um, that's what I give the school. So he was texting my landline. And I was like, and that's the moment I actually started carrying my cell phone on my my in my pocket. But before then, it wasn't like, I need you now. I need you now. I never expected an administrator to contact me outside of the school day. It wasn't a thing. And yep. then I got into a couple of roles where that was the norm. 10 p.m., 11 p.m., I'm being texted by the school. And so when I got to my admin role, I was like, no, we're going to go back and get this right. And to your point, you get to do something. So you mentioned that you wrote a book. Yep. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your book and why you wrote this book. Okay. Um, so last year was my first year as an assistant principal. Great experience. Uh, I worked for an amazing principal who's now uh, the director of student services for the entire township. Uh, and then he was replaced this year by one of his former assistant principals, another amazing leader. Um, but just thinking about people who are emerging and aspiring school leaders and how experience is the best teacher, uh, I wanted to create a resource and a tool uh, to kind of uh, help them accelerate their process or get some background information on the technical skills that they'll have to have in this role. Uh, so it's called the Assistant Principals Playbook. I used to uh, coach men's basketball at UND. I coached at the high school level, so I love basketball. So for me, it was fun to kind of write and kind of throw, uh, you know, a basketball feel in it uh, for certain parts. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's literally a step-by-step -step guide to help you do your job effectively. And I even tell you about mistakes that I've made uh, in my role to help you be a better um, leader starting off. Uh, a lot of times your uh, master's degree program in educational leadership is gonna teach you how to think, how to think like a leader, how to think deeper, um, how to think about how your decisions are gonna affect a different side, looking at both sides of the situation. But when it comes down to those technical skills that you have to do, in that role, you don't get much of that. And that's what that book does, right? If you um, get a job and they tell you here, you got 20 kids with 504 academic accommodation plans. Okay, my book gives you a step-by-step -step on what to do to not only implement those plans, uh, but to keep up with those plans. If there's a plan that needs to be withdrawn, the communication piece of those plans, all of those things, there's a, a piece on your role as a, as a PAR, 
um, where you're doing that peer assistance review for case conferences for special education mm -hmm. students. All of those things are, are in that book, suspensions and expulsions, uh, just to give people that background knowledge so they can go into that role with a little bit more confidence than I had. I'm going to ask you another question, but you mentioned your sports were a lot. And even though we're talking about education, yeah. go ahead and tell them about it because that's yeah. important. <laughs> so I, I used to coach basketball, I used to teach health and PE and management and advanced health and adaptive PE. So I would dress in, you know, Nike, Adidas, Lululemon every day. Um, this was a couple years ago. I read a book called Shoe Dog. Uh, it's a story of Nike. And I kind of got inspired by how hard it was for him to get things custom manufactured and kind of get that brand off the ground. So I said, you know what, I'm going to teach myself how to go through the proper channels to get things custom manufactured. And two summers ago, I launched the Johnny Sportswear. I'm still learning through it. It's something I do on the side. Uh, but I have made it to the point where I understand and I know and can produce things from scratch. So a lot of people would have like a clothing line and they order, you know, shorts or something in bulk and then they'll get a logo put on the shorts that are already made well uh my stuff isn't made like that my collections aren't made like that obviously hoodies and t-shirts are hoodies and t-shirts but mm -hmm. the collection specific pieces that i release like for the jacket for example there's a 12 to 15 page document that tells the manufacturer exactly how to make that jacket the fabric that they have to use uh so learning through that super expensive um so, you know, I paid a lot to get those technical packages made for the manufacturers, but I did just strike a uh, partnership with Iowa State University and their fashion design program. Okay. They're going to be okay. making those tech packs for me. So I'm working with them. That's going to be fun. And then it's always been about community for me. Mm -hmm. uh, our jobs, we're on the front lines of the issues in our communities. And you talked about balance and how do I stay healthy and how do I eat better? It's mm -hmm. just a want to. Uh, but sometimes people want to and don't have kind of like a starting point or a community of people that are thinking the same way. So a spinoff of my sportswear line this summer, I launched Paradigm um, because a paradigm is a model or a pattern or something. You think about the pattern, um, the patterns that we show in our day to day lives. We're eating fast food. We're not working out. We're not reading. We're not meditating. We're not linking mm -hmm. up with like minded individuals. Uh, I built a platform. It's $5.99 a month for people to have a gateway to live a more holistically healthy lifestyle. So we have restaurants, smoothie and juice bars. We have gyms. We have all of these different things. We have we even have a person on there that does HR consulting and resume writing where you can get a $125 resume revision for half off right now because we want to develop the whole person to help them live a better life and to connect them with people who think the same way. Um, and I'm really excited about the potential of it. It's hard. It takes a lot of my time. Um, but I'm really excited about the potential that it has to give somebody a $5.99 a month entry into discounts at all of these places for them to live better. Well, I love it. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head where it's like the reason you're able to put, leave work at work is because you've got something out here that you're working on, that you're passionate about. And I think sometimes with especially if family's the thing that you got out here that you want to do. Sometimes we're like, oh, I'll get back to you. Oh, it's just my kid. And, you know, when I have my own kids, when I left my uh, school administration job to start my consulting business, my kids actually literally cheered, like physically got up from the kitchen table and <laughs> cheered. Uh, and I was and I was not the. So I have boys and now they're getting at the age where I just say so and they're like, uh-huh, mom. 
So I was just expecting, I was going to say this, mom is transitioning, she's starting her business. I was expecting them to either keep eating their dinner or saying, uh-huh. So when they got up and cheered, I was like, whoa. And, they're, and they started modeling me. Oh, hold on. I got to talk to this teacher. Oh, uh, yeah. And there was like, every time, and mom, you missed this. And they started naming off stuff that I had missed. And so I'm sitting here thinking, I'm just making an announcement, and I just see dagger, 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 dagger. <laughs> And so I was like, now with my business, I'm even now saying, so this year, because my last few years, I didn't do this. This year, I took all their school breaks and put them into my calendar. And I told all my clients, I said, I am not working on my kids' school break because no. I did it the last two years. And I said, if I'm going to be serious about being present and like, I'm volunteering my kids' school. Like, I haven't done that in a while, but now I'm doing that um, because I made it a pri I wanted to do it. So that's the word priority. It has yeah. to be a priority. Uh, I don't care if it's 10, mi 10 minutes of reading, um, you know, listening uh -huh. to a podcast, exercise. I mean, if you want to start exercising, say, hey, I'm going to do two days a week and then build up from there, right? I try to do four. And transparently, it's sometimes it's not always four. Sometimes it's three and a half or two and a half. But, it, you know, once you start developing that habit and kind of stringing some good weeks along, uh, then it'll just become a part of your pattern, right? Pattern of how you live your life. Uh, it, it's 546, and I've been here since, today's our early day, so I've been here since 7 a.m. I'm not tired. I'm not drained. I still have time for myself. And I pour it into people all day long, and, and I think that's super important. Well, to bring this to a close, what is one final thought or advice that you have um, for our listeners today? Uh, education is still and always will be an amazing profession. There's so much opportunity here. We need good people. And then to just focus on the good. Focus on the good. All right. If there are good things happening in your school, focus on those things. Don't focus on the bad things or the things that you disagree with. Focus on the good, and over time, you'll start to not only be the change, but you'll see the change. Well, thank you. On that note, we're going to bring it to a close. Again, we have Bryson Davis Johnson. Thanks so much for spending time with us at the end of your school day. Um, you dropped a lot of gems, and I hope you guys pick up the book he mentioned, pick up his book. You know, sign up and join Paradigm. They get those discounts and start making that a way of life. and listen to what he's saying because he has really really good advice um talented educator i'm so glad that we got matched up and that kind of quick thing during the pandemic because every time i talk to him um he's very like this is generally him he is very positive person he always looks at the positive side and those are the type of people i like to surround myself with so i knew you guys would love to hear um for someone like that so bryson thanks so much um for joining us on Bra raising education today thank you for having me